Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 79. It's January, we made it to 2023. And I want to take a moment here as we move into the new year, especially if the holiday season has been a bit bumpier than you had hoped, to encourage you to book a consultation with me. When you do, we get a whole hour together to look at where you are right now, where you'd like to be, and what the steps are to get there. And yes, it is the first step in working with me as a coach, but I want to encourage you to look at it as part of your decision-making process. This is the place to talk through any concerns you might have, whether they're about the time commitment, the financial commitment, or just the personal commitment. If you want to do it, but you're just not sure how you'll do it, I want you to know that's totally normal. That's why I offer these calls. And if you're already all in for coaching, you know it and you just haven't signed up yet, let's do this. Pause the podcast, go to partneredpath.com and click on coaching. Choose a time. That's it. No questions to answer. We'll talk through all of it on the call. All right. Let's get into today's topic, evaluation. Since it's January 3rd, as I'm recording this, I know that a lot of you have been reflecting on the past year and thinking about changes you'd like to make. Reflection is something that's strongly encouraged this time of year. We're encouraged to look back on all that we did or didn't do and decide what we'd like to do next. It can stir up a lot of emotions, pride, joy, regret, determination, and it's usually from those emotions that we set our intentions for the next year. I want to offer you a slightly different approach, a slightly different approach, (laughs) one that you can carry with you throughout the year. I kind of like to think of it as an elevated approach. I want you I want to encourage you to go from reflection and step it up to evaluation. They sound pretty similar, right? If anything, I think evaluation, culturally maybe, has more of a negative connotation. Many people hear evaluation and think of like formal testing or school. The distinction I want to draw, though, is this. Reflection is the first step in the evaluation process, but evaluation goes above and beyond reflection, allowing you to look objectively at what is working for for you, what is working for your family, what isn't, and what you're going to change. Evaluation occurs after you have reflected on a situation and processed the emotions that went with it. So really, it's a a three-part process. 
let's actually look at those three pieces of the evaluation process. Let's consider those three steps in context. All right, you can apply this to your end of year reflection, but it's something I strongly encourage you to integrate into your day-to-day -day life whenever you have a challenging day with your child. Reflect, process those emotions, feel those feelings, and then evaluate how things actually went from a neutral place. Okay, so if we're going to look at it in context, let's keep it simple, let's keep it relatable, and look at bedtime. <laughs> let's say that bedtime has been rough lately. Your child seems like they're stretching it out as long as they possibly can. They run and hide when you ask them to go brush their teeth. And when they do make it to the bathroom, they stand in front of the mirror and do a little dance that seems to go on and on and on. Want to ask me how I know? <laughs> anyway, you try to be patient but you get increasingly frustrated until you find yourself raising your voice as their resistance grows even stronger. And then eventually you just snap, whatever that looks like for you. And then they're crying and you're apologizing. And the time they actually, by the time they actually get into bed, it's even later than it would have been if you just let them finish that dance they were doing in front of the mirror. And once they're actually in bed, and you have some space to think through what just happened, then you're ready for the first step. And it is indeed a variation on reflection. But I want to encourage you to reflect on what you were feeling and what you were thinking as everything was happening at bedtime. Grab a pen, grab some paper, and write out all the thoughts. This shouldn't be too hard. Don't like put too much emphasis on this, right? Just start writing down everything you can think of that was going through your head. Might be things like, this shouldn't be so hard. They know the routine. They should understand that this would all be so much easier if they just get it over with. And then once you've gotten all those thoughts down on paper, put your pen down and turn your attention to what you're feeling. Maybe it's frustration. That's easy enough to identify. But we're going to take this from reflection to actually processing those feelings. So don't just stop at naming the emotion. Take the time to close your eyes and turn your attention inward. How does this feeling show up in your body? Does it feel like tightness, heaviness, clenching? Does it have a color or a shape or a temperature? Where does it show up? Your stomach? Your chest? Your shoulders? Get really curious. Stay with the feelings in your body and just watch them. You might try breathing into the area where you're holding them and just observing. Do they maintain the same qualities as you watch? Can you stretch them? Expand them? Shrink them? The funny thing about feelings 
is that naming them doesn't necessarily make them go away. Sometimes naming them even fuels them a little bit. You know, like when you're frustrated and you start talking about how frustrated you are and then telling the story of why you're frustrated and it just makes you more and more frustrated? That. But turning your focus inward, it forces you to be with the feelings. And when you do that, it allows you to move through them. And it can feel scary. Most people want to stop at recognizing the emotion and move on. They push it down instead of actually feeling it, actually paying attention to what it feels like in their body. They might even fear that if they give it their full attention, it will overpower them. But it's when we don't do this, when we don't allow ourselves time to actually feel our feelings, when we push them away, that they're more likely to explode out of us when we get pushed a little too hard. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I see processing your emotions and feeling your feelings. By feelings, I mean the way your emotions show up in your body, the feeling tone in your body, what you actually feel physically. I see this as a critical piece of being the grounded parent that you want to be. It is also critical in allowing you to evaluate your challenges from a neutral place so you can find the things you want to change and move forward rather than building up a story about your parenting or your child's behavior. So that's step number two, investigating and allowing your feelings, processing your emotion, feeling it all without making it mean something about you as an individual. Once you've taken the time to reflect on what you were thinking and feeling and then explored how those feelings are expressed in your body and once you've moved through the emotional state you were in and have landed in a more neutral place, then it's time for the third step, evaluation. You are coming at this step from a neutral place, or better yet, a feeling of curiosity. There is no judgment here. You're simply going to ask yourself a few questions about what happened, starting with what was working in that situation. So if we think about bedtime, maybe you gave them some extra time to process the transition to bedtime, and you noticed a difference in how they moved through their routine. Maybe it's that they were in a good mood and you can see that they were being playful when they were hiding, not deliberately disobedient. Maybe it's, once that, it's that once they got started brushing their teeth, they flowed through the rest of the routine without prompting. Look for the good. Look for what, what went well what worked. And do this first because our brains have a tendency to focus on the negative. So we really want to pay extra attention to what actually did work because there's always something so that we can balance out that negativity bias, that inherent bias that we all have right off the bat 
and help ourselves stay in a more neutral frame of mind. Okay, once you've identified the wins, however small or large they might be, then you're going to ask yourself what didn't work. Were you expecting them to get ready for bed independently and miss the signs that they weren't there tonight, that they needed extra support? Were you rushing them? Were you assuming you knew their intentions? Like, yeah, they're just messing with me. For this part, focus on what was in the sphere of your control. In other words, focus on what you did and what you could do differently. Okay, don't get sucked into trying to figure out how you can get them to comply. It's a trap. Actually, if you find that compliance is your primary goal in this situation, that might be something that you put into this category. Rarely does coming into a situation with the intention of getting another person to comply with your wishes actually work. Okay, so you've looked at what worked. You've looked at what didn't work. Now we want to talk about, want to explore what you will do differently. You might decide that you're going to start a little bit earlier. You might try brushing your teeth with them or brushing to music. Or maybe you decide that you're going to try talking to them about what they need at bedtime. The conversations we have with our children with our challenges. The conversations we have with our children about the challenges we are having can be intimidating, but they can also be really powerful. And I'm going to share an example of a recent experience I had with this on the next podcast. Actually, it fits perfectly into this bedtime example. Over the break, we were having some pretty bumpy bedtimes, and it didn't take much to make a noticeable improvement. So if you want to see what that looked like, stay tuned next week. But for now, let's recap. Evaluation is a process and I like to break it down into three steps. Step one, reflect on what you're thinking and feeling. Step two, process your own emotions by identifying the feelings they create for you within your body and allowing those feelings until you notice them start to shift and you start to feel like you're moving through the feeling or moving through the emotion. Step three, evaluate from a neutral place. Identify what went well, what didn't work so well, and what could you do different next time? And as you start to implement this, you might find it's easier said than done. That is also totally normal. Your brain might actually resist evaluating at all. It might tell you, we already know what went wrong here. We don't need to sit down and think about this much more. It's fine. It's fine, right? (laughs) That is so normal. Know that this is actually one of the main skills I work with my clients on to develop over the course of our work together. Each piece of it takes practice. Each piece requires you to think about yourself and your child and parenting in general differently. You don't have to do it alone. All right. I hope you have a wonderful week 
Happy January, and I will talk to you next week. Do you feel like you're parenting 24-7 and you're still not sure your child is getting what they need? Are you ready to stop parenting reactively and start living in partnership with your sensitive child? Are you ready to reclaim time for yourself and time for your dreams? Then you're going to want to explore coaching with me. I help my clients tune out all the noise, better understand their kids, build a parenting strategy that meets their family's specific needs, and do the mindset work necessary to implement that strategy consistently without sacrificing themselves in the process. To get started, just head over to partnerpath.com, click on coaching, and get your free consultation set up. Let's get to know each other.